Welcome sports fans to the hottest sports podcast in the game, JT and the Don with your hosts, Jimmy Thompson and Donato Bucci. They're covering the most current issues in sports from the 305 to the 412 and all the way to the West Coast. You can follow them on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at JT and the Don or email them at JT and the Don at gmail.com. Now take it away, guys. Welcome back to the next episode of JT and the Don. I am the Don Donato Bucci, and please remember to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and the iHeartRadio app, and wherever else you find all of your other favorite podcasts. And please remember to leave us a five-star review. Also, remember to follow us on social media again at JT and the Don. Uh, That is our handle, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. So I hope all of you have had a great Memorial Day weekend this past weekend. It is kind of unofficially the start of summer. So let me bring in everyone's favorite, JT, Jimmy Thompson. How you feeling today? I'm doing good, man. I think I'm more excited that we don't have to talk about Michael Jordan anymore for a while, I think. <laughs> yeah, I think that's safe to say. Good point. <laughs> can we can we safely say that we have said all we need to say for the forever about Michael Jordan in the past few weeks? For the most part, for the most part, except the we never really have gotten into a LeBron, Michael Jordan one-on-one debate. So beside that, yes. We can put that to the side. Cool. He's buried. Let, let's let's move on, but let's keep it basketball, JT. So the NBA has entered into exploratory conversations to restart the NBA season at Disney's ESPN Y World of Sports Complex in Orlando. The way it would work is they would recall the players into the team marketplaces for a period of quarantine, meaning, you know, if the Chicago Bulls players report to Chicago, Orlando Magic players report to Orlando, and then one to two weeks of individual workouts at the team facilities, followed by a two to three week formal training camp with games expected to resume play before the end of July. Now, those formal training camps and games would be played possibly in Orlando at the wide world of sports complex. So with that plan laid out JT do you like how they're organizing it well shout out to Spencer Dinwiddie who kind of broke this on Twitter I want to say last week when he tweeted that the NBA season is going to resume by July 15th so I think they made him take it down but I mean this is basically what he was saying and I think it's a great idea and we've talked about this before in the past Disney can handle something of this magnitude they can handle getting all the teams there making sure they have enough room and board. Uh, I even heard a rumor that uh, this is contingent on the NBA has um, a deal with somebody to get enough testing for everyone that's going to be involved and come into Disney to make sure everyone's tested, everyone's safe. So if everything goes according to that plan, I think this is good. And they have the fastest track to getting their season started than I think any other league. I like it if, safety first right if they can accomplish the safety part of it with all the protocols in place of i don't know how they're going to determine who has properly quarantined even at the team facilities um bringing the players in so if they can get the safety first i like their timeline of things but this is the only thing i want to add to jt is that 
there's no need to finish the regular season. Can we agree to that? Because yeah, they no, could just go to the playoffs. Yeah, you're bringing less players into the city, into these kind of quarantine bubbles, these bubble cities, right? And like, sorry to the Portland Trailblazers, the Pelicans, Sacramento. Sorry to uh, your boy CJ McCollum because you know you love him so much. So you're just gonna leave CJ out of the playoffs. But listen, they're three and a half behind now. Realistically, could they make it and catch Memphis? Yeah. But you know this is Could a they great catch Memphis. <laughs> that you make you're making it sound like you know Memphis is just this uncatchable force. <laughs> well, you got to remember though, there's only 17 games left to make up three and a half to four games. JT, that is a lot of that. That's a lot of games to make up in a short time span. So yes, Memphis may not be the LA Lakers and LeBron, but they have quite the head start here. Okay, to no, finish. for sure. But my my thing is, it's twofold is there's no reason to bring all these teams in, right? Like, those are more players than that you need to worry about. And the other thing is it teaches teams a lesson, JT, with the whole load management, that you can never take a night off, right? All those games mattered to all of those teams, right? You're not giving tomorrow. So guess what? The 17 games, too bad. If you sat C.J. McCollum or Lillard, and I'm not saying Portland did that, but – this is a great example for teams that, hey, if we want to load management, there's always possible repercussions to it. And unfortunate, you know, it's unfortunate this is the situation that played out. But, but it teaches a, us a lesson. I understand. This is a really extenuating circumstance. Of course. Coronavirus guess, is not going to come around every time somebody decides to of, load manage. Of course. But it goes to show that every game matters nice. no matter how long the season is, even possibly even in baseball, right? But this is the other thing I would like to add to, JT. We don't just jump into the playoffs right away, right? Even though there's no regular season, I would like to see each team play two exhibition games. It's against the other conference and against the opposite part of their seed. So it wouldn't be if the Lakers are one and Milwaukee's one, it wouldn't be against each other. It would be the complete opposite. It'd be Milwaukee against Memphis for two exhibition games. It'd be the Lakers against Orlando Two exhibitions. Somebody games. they most likely wouldn't see. Exactly. So the two seed would play the seven, the four and fives play each other opposite conference. Two exhibition games, get the rust going, and then into the playoffs. Okay, so Don for commissioner. All right, I'll tell Adam Silver that's what's going on. So let's switch gears to the NHL, uh, another league that's trying to get their 2020 season started. So recently the NHLPA approved a 24-team playoff format uh, so that they can return to play. So how it would work is the top four seeds in each conference, they'd receive a bye into the second round. The next eight teams after that in each conference would play a best of five series to see who moves on against the top four seeds in the second round. Don, so do you like this format for the restart of the NHL season? Well, again, safety first, right? They need to have health protocols you know, medical personnel there figuring out ways that everyone's healthy. If shout they out can, to you, shout out to you. You know, I did. I I gotta commend you. You really care about player safety, man. Well, I mean, think about it. These guys have families, and and we are the you and I. I think are some of the biggest sports fans out there. I, I've got to believe that. But you know, like I started to think this past week, like put put myself in their shoes. That's it's scary, right? To be able to go play a game. Yes, you're making a lot of money and. I would appreciate that fact, but there's no replacing someone's health or someone's family. So, 
you know, that that's something oh, that, very true. Well yeah, that, that that's something that's got to be a concern. Now, if you get past that, I don't like the format. I'd like to see them restart if everything's okay, but I don't like the format. And this is why, JT, I think, again, use exhibition games as kind of that tune-up. Because if you're the top four teams, as you mentioned in that format, you're at a disadvantage now. It's mm-hmm. unfair because the other eight teams, whoever wins in the first round, has now <laughs> they, they've acclimated themselves back to the routine. They've had whatever, possibly three, four, five games to get ready. And the whole point of being of a top seed goes out the window if now those other teams have an advantage. You're rusty. By the time you get your legs, you might be down 3-0. And forget about it. You're 100% right. And I think that's the reason why it's funny. They were saying two of the team representatives voted no on this already. So the Lightning and the Hurricanes. And it made sense that the Lightning would vote no because they just went through this last year where it was the end of the year. I think they played like a month basically of meaningless games. Like they didn't play a meaningful game in a while. And then what happened when they got to the to the playoffs? They lost this uh, to the Blues. And <laughs> Blues obviously won it all. So I 100% agree with you. And I don't think there's – for this situation, I don't think that there's a fair resolution to give the teams that are good that would be in those first-round buy situations an advantage because – at some point, they got to start playing games and start the playoffs. So it'll be interesting to see how they'll get it resolved. But I 100% agree with you. So let's take it a little bit deeper in hockey. So I thought this was really interesting because I think we've talked about something in this realm before. So um, Evander Kane of the San Jose Sharks recently said in a piece that he wrote to the Players Tribune, and he's basically detailing how the NHL has a long way to go as it deals with racism in its sport. Uh, I just want to know your quick thoughts on that. Well, I... I'm not surprised that racism racism is still in the sport um, and it still exists. I mean, we saw it with Bill Peters, right, the coach of the Calgary Flames. Mm-hmm. And then I don't know if you recall, because we didn't really talk about this, but back in April, you know, with the whole social, social distancing going on, Keandre Miller of the New York Rangers um, had a video chat with fans. And what ended up happening was, and this was through Zoom, on the, the question and answer section, of the zoom uh of the zoom call it was overrun basically by fans i don't even know if they were hockey fans though to be honest but basically it was over trolls yeah it was overrun by people putting in that section the n-word over and over so it it's obviously sad to see but am i surprised by it no because we've seen examples of this recently and in the past And I think maybe what needs to be done, I know you didn't ask this, but they need to start to ban certain fans Mm -hmm. and they may even need to punish teams in the respect of limiting the number of fans that show up. Then if this occurs to specific teams or even, you know, one, a one, a one time off, you limit it kind of like European soccer. Sometimes they play without fans in there when it's become so rowdy. So I think you do that. You limit fans. You limit the revenue of NHL teams. Guess what? They're going to start to take this matter serious um, and take more steps to put a stop toward it. Now, on the executive side, you know, that's going to take a lot more time to kind of get those thoughts out of the top executives' minds 
of some of the the racism, for example, like with Bill Peters. Yeah, and I I agree with you. I I know we've discussed this before in the past, but I will give hockey credit because I think the last time we talked about this, um, one of the guys that was mentioned in this whole story uh, we talked about before, um, Akim Aliyu, and how he went through that whole situation, you know, of how he was treated, you know, through basically like the minor league hockey system all the way up to the pros. Right. That and was, that was, I believe that yeah, was the Peters. player that Bill Peters was Bill Peters. To. Yeah. So he, that was how he dealt with the racism. And when that whole story broke, I think it set off a chain reaction because like you said, Peters got fired. And then I forgot the guy's name, but we talked about it before. Um, there was like a famous broadcaster that was really big in hockey and they kind of fired him too. And it then it wasn't Don Cherry, was it? Was it? I think it was Don Cherry. Yeah. Yeah. He was let go uh, for some uh, racist comments. And then I know hockey has been on this whole, they had this whole initiative. The hockey is for everyone. I think initiative, they've really been pushing it since the beginning of the year. And it's basically, you know, this initiative to push more inclusion within the sport, because right now I think there's only what 43 players of color in the NHL right now. And like three of them play on one team. So there's definitely ways to go as far as, you know, getting more, uh, you know, inclusion and diversity in the sport. But, you know, the only way that's going to happen is kids have to want to play and you have to have initiatives to get to, you know, get to those kids to make them aware that the sport's there and get them interested. But at least I will say this, but unlike other sports, I feel like NHL is showing me that, or hockey in general is showing me that they're at least, they at least care about, you know, making this work because, the 43 to 43 players of color to the amount of players that are in the NHL overall don't don't even amount to the amount of you know players of color in other leagues like the like the NFL or the NBA and the fact that there's not enough players in the NHL to make this a big time story and the league is already getting ahead of it and setting up these initiatives i think that's a great sign i got to commend them for it so let's you know sticking with you know race and race and sports let's go to a topic that i feel when it broke uh made a lot of head waves so we're going back to the rooney rule so if you remember an initial report by nfl.com's jim trotter last week when he said that the nfl was proposing in a, an incentive program as a part of making changes to the rooney rule so basically how it would work is there's an incentive that if a team hires a minority head coach that it would move up six spots in the third round of the draft before the higher coach's second season with the team. So in essential, the team would also jump up 10 spots in the draft for hiring a minority to their general manager position. So that proposed change had been tabled, but changes were made to the Rooney rule, you know, as a reaction to the, the new changes being tabled. So with that new, the new terms that the NFL brought up, basically teams will be required to interview two minority coaches for their for coaching positions and at least one minority candidate for a coordinator vacancy and one external candidate for their front office position. So the changes will also require clubs to include minorities and female applicants in the interview process for senior level front office positions. So I know that was a mouthful. Donato, what are your thoughts and reactions on that? Well, it's good to see that the NFL recognizes there's still a problem there and that they're working toward making it, I think, more, you know, trying to make it more fair for everyone. As far as the kind of that incentive program you initially mentioned that was tabled, I personally, JT, I was not a fan of it because, you know, you may have then been hiring coaches for the wrong reason, which ironically is what they're trying to fix in the first place, right? 
And then on top of that, that puts a lot of pressure on that specific coach because now they're kind of seen as, oh, well, they, you were only hired because yeah, it helped them. It's going to undermine them. Exactly. Exactly. So can I make – so I do like, though, the, the, new, the new rule or the, the, the change to it in terms of making a requirement of two minority head coaches to at least – or two – minority candidates to be hired or to be interviewed for the head coaching position and at least one uh, minority candidate to be interviewed for a coordinator position. I like that because we've always talked about it. it's got to start from the ground up, right? Mm -hmm. You're seeing a lot more quarter um, minority quarterbacks, which will hopefully lead to more positions on teams as far as coaching, more offensive coordinators like Byron Leftwich, like Eric Bieniemy, who – then hopefully can take over, right? We've always said you got to build it from the ground up. Now, can I kind of make a suge two suggestions to the NFL if some of these do not work? And you can let me know if I'm if I'm way out of left field here. You're way out of left field. I already can tell. <laughs> One of them is a little bit of a conspiracy theory. I think every team should have a a one person list. All right that is kept secret from everybody except the NFL commissioner's office. So for example, if the Raiders, before they hired Gruden a couple years ago, had listed John Gruden on their list, meaning if their vacancy for their head coaching job came open, they didn't have to interview anybody but the guy on their list. Because it goes back to that idea of, hey, if you're going to the prom, why do I need to ask 50 other girls when you know who you want to go to? And vice versa. If a girl knows who they want to go with, to a problem with a guy. Why do they need to ask 50 other people, right? But this list is not leaked, cannot come out. And if Gruden accepts the position, you're done. But if he says no, now you've got to abide by the Rooney rule. And what I think that will do, JT, is it'll get rid of all this other fluff with these interviews where teams are not taking it serious enough, all right? And then my other thing would be, what if they, if this doesn't work, what if they start to put a percentage on the percentage of your staff that is a minority coach, right? So if you have 20 on your staff, whatever that percentage ends up being that you, that the NFL in the, in the owners can agree to, then you need to have that percentage of minority coaches on your staff, because what that will do is it'll then allow you to promote within and you get more minority offense and defensive coordinators, which will lead to coaches. And I know a lot of people don't want to hear that. But again, a lot of this is through connections anyway. So if you're trying to fix it, you might have to go the whole distance. Well, here's the thing with that. I mean, obviously, I think what you brought up are good points. And, you know, those are good ideas. But this all comes back to, one, can we agree that the Rooney rule isn't broken it's that the owners just have always come up with ways to circumvent it. Of and course, but that's why you need the Rooney rule. And they're, and that's exactly what they've been doing. And that's what they're going to continue to do. So I wasn't shocked that this new Rooney rule idea was tabled just because one, it came up way too fast. And I think we talked, me and you talked about this offline is it's really hard to ask these owners, you know, Hey, we want you to do this. You know, they're rich billionaires. Like they're going to do it their way. And I think one of the ways that they're always going to be able to circumvent, whether it's, you know, the Rooney rule, the new changes that the NFL has proposed, or even if the NFL were to go to something that you just proposed is they're always going to be able to, you, they're always going to be able to go hire the guys that they want to just look at what happened last year. 
Matt Rule got hired with no NFL head coaching experience. They can go get anybody they want to. They offered a college coach from Baylor a record-breaking deal. Um, uh, Joe Judge, no head coaching experience. Special teams guy got a flagship job like the Giants. And that's always going to happen. And then also, too, I want to bring this up, and then I'll let you go. I actually heard – because Jim Trotter was the one that broke this story, and I actually heard him uh, have an interview about it. And one thing that he said that really shocked me, and I 100% disagreed if this is true within the head coaching circles and, like, the people who are, uh, like, black executives or the next black, you know, black people to be in line for head coaching jobs and things like that. One thing he said, and I've heard this consistently, is that the black people in those positions, coaches, execs, you know, coordinators, next people up for those jobs, they don't want – they didn't want this to pass either because of what you said. They felt that – it won't help them long-term. They felt like they would be undermined in the locker room. And, you know, basically it just, they want, they feel like they should get these jobs based on their credentials and, you know, their body of work. And I was like, that just really, really, really rubbed me the wrong way because obviously that's what you've been doing for all this time. And it hasn't worked. You don't think Eric Bieniemy has shown that he's the best guy for the job. The guy just won a Super Bowl and he's calling the plays for the Kansas city chiefs. Matt Nagy was in that same position, didn't call the plays as the offensive coordinator. The Chiefs underachieved, and he got a head coaching job as the first choice. Uh, your boy, Sala, uh, defensive coordinator for the 49ers, one of the best defenses that we've seen in a long time, didn't even get interviewed. You don't think he's shown that he's the best guy for the job? And you brought up Byron Leftwich. Yeah, Jameis Winston throws a ton of picks, but he also led the league in passing guards. Like, that offense was explosive. Uh, you know, same thing with, uh, you know, I love Chris Richard, defensive coordinator for the Cowboys. He's been a good defensive coordinator on other teams for years. So I don't know if those guys that, that were interviewed by Trotter are saying this because they feel like they have to say it because if they speak out about it, they will, you know, possibly, you know, hurt themselves from moving up in the future. But to be honest with you, I totally disagree with that point because it is time that you guys obviously need a little bit of help because you're not going to get these jobs based on how good you are at the job you're doing because they're going to go hire who they want. So I actually agree with the rule. I think they should incentivize these owners to, you know, if they want to hire one of these minority coaches, because I think that's the only way that there's going to be serious change. And I think to take it a step further, I don't think that, the owners not wanting to hire these guys because you, we talked about it before. You're going to hire, you know, who you work well with and you know, who you have a lot in common with. That's just how business works. And I understand that part, but let's not, let's not miss the fact that, yeah, the owners might not want to do this, but bottom line that people don't talk about is the, the average NFL fan really just doesn't care about this because if the NFL fan base cared about, you know, minority coaches not getting a fair shake as far as you know coaching jobs and things like that it would be a totally different move by the nfl like you've seen the whole thing with colin kaepernick like the nfl fan base showed how they felt about that situation and how did the nfl react they handled it right away they got rid of it they came up with all these rules all these initiatives to you know kind of appease and get rid of the situation nfl fans just don't care about this particular issue and i think until they fix that and are able to make this important to NFL fans, I don't think it matters what rules you put in or what you tell the the GMs to do or the owners to do. It's not going to matter because the fans aren't moved by it. Well, I, 
if you are going to do an incentives program, then it's got to be more than this because it's still not going to help JT. I guess that's my whole point is I don't like it because you're putting a lot of pressure on that coach. Like you said, you're undermining them for what to move up six spots. That's ridiculous. Cause people are now going to say, you only got the job because of moving up six spots. And you're like, really, I got to take all that heat for six spots. That's ridiculous. If you're really going to incentivize it and you want to fix the problem that we're talking about, then you have to go all the way in. You have to say, but if you, you keep help. him on, but you need help. They, they I'm, I'm not disagreeing. Listen to what, li- listen to what I'm saying. You didn't, you didn't finish to listen to what I'm saying. If after that year, after the first year that he has been a coach, then you get a first-round pick at the end of the first round. That's if you if you're gonna go this this oh, mile, I, go I, the whole I, mile. I agree with, I go agree the whole you mile. You you make the you make it an offer they can't refuse. Exactly. Like, everybody's gonna exactly. want to move up in Be- the first round. Exactly because then you're going to really see the numbers jump. All right, because the way they're doing it here is like they're throwing a crumb, but it's not enough. Yeah, and also too, like back to my point about the fans, and we'll talk about this a little bit later. That the fans, the fan base really matters because without fans this year, they're saying that they're going to lose five point five billion. So I feel like until you get the NFL average fan base member on board with this, it's not going to work unless you incentivize them with something crazy, like you said with a first round pick, you know, or like you're moving up in the first round where it's significant and that's going to change your franchise. But I was just, like I said, back to what I said, I really think that the, these guys are looking at it all wrong. You need all the help you can get. And so what if you get undermined in that what? position? Because guess what? If Eric Bieniemy gets, let's say if Eric Bieniemy gets the, a job like the New England Patriots, whatever, he takes over for Bill Belichick and everybody knows he got that job because whatever they the new england patriots got help moving up in the first round because they hired a minority candidate they're not going to care once the enemy goes in there and does his thing and starts winning games and super bowls for that franchise it won't matter now it'll it'll matter if he goes in there and he sucks yeah that'll matter because he'll get the blowback of okay the guy's not a good coach like any coach would be and then it's like oh see he wasn't even qualified so yes it's pressure to go in there and win but you got to get in the door and you got to stop being but prideful. You need help. That's, but that's the problem right there is that they get hired. If they don't succeed, it's going to come out. You only got hired because they wanted to move up in the third round. And now Eric Bieniemy, JT, never gets a sniff at another head coaching job. So if it's going to be that way, let it go all the way. That way it's in the numbers. You have not just one or two that get hired. It's half the league are minority head coaches. And guess what? Now the percentages say a lot more are going to succeed and be a success story for future hires. Well, also to your point, I think another thing that, um, and we, I think you'll probably agree with me, I think also to black coaches and minority coaches just need to be more selective. And if the enemy's doing this, you know, shout out to him, they need to be more selective of the jobs they take. Because it seems like, we're always in line for the jobs that are going to be dumpster fires, no matter who takes them. You know, black coaches always seem to go to the Browns, you know, front office, front office members always seem to go to the teams that are just, they, they are more than a rebuild away from becoming good. So if you, if you're that coach, that's, you know, it's time for you to get a job. And one of those jobs aren't, you know, somewhere where you think that you're going to be successful. I agree. Just don't take it. But, um, Bottom line is I think they need help, and I think that they need to incentivize this rule to make it happen. So 
Let's go to the second part of some of the NFL rule changes that were made in addition to this story. So also the NFL changed a part of its tampering rule. So what it says is that teams can no longer block assistant coaches from interviewing for coordinator positions for another team. So essentially if that team wants to interview them, they can. Uh, Do you like that rule? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's an upward move. So, you know, this is, this is still the lane of opportunity, right? So how are, how are NFL teams going to prevent an assistant from taking an interview for a coordinator position? I mean, that's an upward movement, right? Like you yeah. can't stop a defensive line assistant coach from going for defensive coordinator at another team. That doesn't seem right. Does that seem right to you? No, so absolutely. I'm, I mean, I'm glad they changed that part of the tampering rule. It stinks for the team that loses them especially if he's still under contract or that, or if she's under still under contract, but what, like, what's that's, that doesn't seem right. I mean, you got to be able to interview unless it's specifically in your contract and you've, you've contracted, you've negotiated that in your contract. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you. I think this also is an underrated part that people don't talk about. I think this affects the Rooney rule as well, because this kind of stops some people from moving up in the pipeline and they're stuck as position coaches forever, forever. Like look at uh, Deuce Staley. Like, I feel like he's been in that position forever running backs coach. And then because they don't want to move him up to certain positions, they like create like these lateral moves for him. Like, Oh, he's like the quality control running back slash assistant, you know, Josh strap holder, <laughs> you know, they, they do, they create these, <laughs> these titles that make no sense. And it's just to keep them from moving up. They're blocking them. From, a, from doing other things, but they're really just kind of keeping them where they are. So I think this is a good move to allow some of those guys who are really putting in that work in the, you know, like the position coach positions to move up and really shine. But but don't you at some point kind of see, and we joke about Dante Scarnecchia and you, you joked about Deuce Staley, but if you feel at some point they've not moved up within their own organization, that they're, that team is telling you something about them. Like, hey, they're or, a good positional coach, but not maybe not, you know, worth offensive coordinator. Like, we can't trust Deuce. He's like Joey Porter. He's going to, you know, go wild. Or, or like Scarnecchia, right? Like, hey, Scar- like, but that, that's, think, his, that's his spot. But I think he said that – and plus, Scarnecchia is older. He's been yeah, doing this for a true. long time. I think he said, like, this is just what he loves to do. Like, trust me, Deuce Staley want to be the man. He wants to move up and be a coordinator. So, I see your point. But let's not act like, you know, just because a front office says, yeah, we're not promoting this guy because of this is how we feel he'll perform. Like, they hire bad coaches all the time that blow it. So what do they know? True, true. Well, we've had some heavy topics there, JT, to start the show. So let's go into my favorite sport, boxing. All right. So haven't seen in a while, even though MMA is going on, Deontay Wilder in particular here. Now, this is just a report is that he was demanding $10 million to step aside and allow Tyson Fury to fight Anthony Joshua. Now, remember, he originally, he originally activated the clause in his, uh, in his contract with Fury for a rematch. It was supposed to be July 18th, not happening. So Wilder, supposedly ready to fight Fury in October. However, along with the step aside, there was a monetary de- – to the monetary demand of $10 million is – he would also seek a guarantee for a fight against the winner of Fury and Anthony Joshua. Now, Bob Arum has refuted that Wilder has made this demand of $10 million in a guarantee fight against the winner. 
But your thoughts on it, and JT, if it is true, is it the right move by Wilder after what happened to him? So let me get this straight. I just got <laughs> – I think I this got, is going to answer – I think your, your clarification here is going to answer uh, both of – is going to give both of our answers for the question. So go ahead. I just want to make sure I'm, I'm clear on the facts. So a guy who just got beat down by an overweight, overweight guy in the ring on national television across the world is being offered $10 million – to step aside so that same guy can beat up somebody else. And then if by chance that guy loses to this new person, you get to face that guy and that's a benefit for you. And they're gonna pay you $10 million to just sit down. He'd be, he'd be stupid <laughs> not to take this. Because the, because the real thing is you get the $10 million and you hope that Joshua beats Fury. And I think uh, Wilder would own Joshua if that was the next person he, he was gonna fight. And Dream scenario for him because he'd get the titles back. I mean, how is this not the right move by Wilder? I mean, you're getting $10 million to sit, to relax, to do nothing. I don't get, I don't actually, get shit to sit down. <laughs> exactly. And you're actually getting $10 million to train to beat one of these guys. We, like, get, we, get, we get blamed and ridiculed <laughs> for sitting down. This guy's going to get $10 million. We're, we're called lazy if we do that. I mean, it's it, – yeah, it's – and plus a guarantee to fight the winner of it? Like, you, you just got beat. You just got beat. And no, now you're still going to get down. a shot. And you're still going <laughs> to beat that. And you're still going to get a shot at the title after making $10 million to train. I mean, this is – of course that'd be the right move by Wilder. By the way, though, I got to disagree, JT. I don't think Fury's overweight. He just he, – he carries his weight to his height. That's not like an excuse. Uh, really quick before we move on, two questions. One, who do you think Wilder would rather fight, Fury or Joshua in the next fight? Oh, I, I've got to believe. Well, I guess how Joshua would look against Fury, because obviously if Joshua looks like this great heavyweight, he'd be worried about fighting either. But I got to say, I like his chances better against Joshua because Fury's the, better, Fury's the better actual boxer. So second question is, if let's say Fury wins, which I think he will, and that's who Wilder has to fight again. Do you think Wilder would make enough updates to his boxing resume to make it a, a fight this time? You mean like guys he'll fight in the meantime? No, I mean like to his his repertoire. Like oh, okay, him, okay. Him, him changing up his style. Gotcha. Um, man, it, de it de depends who... I, I, man, I don't know. That's a really good question. I the thing is Wilder started late in later in his life than most of these guys, so he's got a lot of catching up to do. And what we saw against Fury, when Fury comes in really in shape with a couple fights under his belt, he's the much superior actual boxer. Okay, the way so I still believe, no. <laughs> I still I, I'm gonna say no to your answer, but it doesn't mean he can't win the fight. He's got to make it a slugfest. Absolutely, and he and he can't wear a 45 pound uh, costume into the ring. Yeah, just come in normal. I don't. I still think that was an excuse. All right, so let's switch gears and go back to the NFL. We kind of hinted to this. So according to Forbes, uh, Mike Ozanian, the NFL could lose up to five point five billion without fans in the stands in twenty twenty. So based, this is based on the two thousand eighteen numbers. It would amount to thirty eight percent of the league's total revenue. That's crazy. So Donato, is this a huge concern for the league? If so, what should they do about it? It, 
it could be, okay? It could be a big concern, and teams will hurt in the short term, all right? So, yes, that'll be a concern for the teams because the Cowboys and Patriots, I don't know if you know this, JT, they make more than half of their revenue through the, the tickets, the fans, the, the, the in-game stuff, right, the concessions, parking, all of that. The Bills, Titans, Bengals, they're on the lower part of it, but they still make a third of their revenue through these sources. So the teams will hurt, but the way it seems like that they could fix it and kind of push this down the road is the league and the union could agree to borrow against the cap in the future, meaning to, in order to keep the 2021 cap where they projected it, it should be at, they could still do that and then kind of borrow from the future caps, meaning instead of it jumping 10 more million in 2022, maybe it jumps seven or 8 million that, you know, each of those years to, until it catches up. So um, I still think they'll be fine as long as it only lasts half, a, you know, this season. If it goes beyond, then it's a really major concern. Or they could get creative this year, more interactive stuff and charge people for it. Yeah. Um, I agree with you. I think those are good ideas, but there's no way to really slice it that, you know, 5.5 billion overall, and in some cases, 50% to a third of the revenue is not a problem. It is a concern for the league. But the thing is, I don't think there's anything they can do about it because you could say, you know, we're going to open up, but either the government doesn't let you do it or fans just don't come because they're still worried about the whole coronavirus situation. So maybe some of what you said could be, you know, a short-term remedy financially for them, but I just don't see how this is not a huge concern. Lost money is lost money. There's nothing you can do about that. That's a major concern for them. So they'll we'll see what they come up with. They'll figure out a way, JT. They'll maybe throw it on the uh, – They'll, throw, they'll the, throw the games on Dawes and, you know, charges for a subscription or something. There you go. There you go. All right, so halftime adjustments, JT. We came out firing early on with our topics. So let, let's take a quick breather here. We got – a potential, even though I don't think this is actually going to happen after what I've been reading, but there's the potential for Mike Tyson, Evander Holyfield three. All right. As they're each trying to make a return. So should it happen? Hell yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, be honest. We always wanted to see them do this again in their prime. And we want to, for me, I just want to see how Holyfield, does he still hold the grudge about his ear? Like, I want to see if he still holds that grudge after all these years. And, I mean, I know you saw the video of Mike Tyson. Dude's still in good shape. He looks scary. He looks like he can go. So, well, What did Teddy Atlas say about that video? What you did know, Teddy what, say? He said, I don't see anyone punching back in that video. I don't know if anybody will be punching back in real life either. But, <laughs> yeah, I want to see this. All right. So, for them personally, no. They've gotten away with pretty decent health. They're now in their mid to late I don't 50s. know about Mike Tyson in decent health. He's crazy. I don't know. But this isn't going to help his health. Oh, he's already I down mean, that rabbit hole. You, Let him you, go. You can only take so many punches, man. So for them personally, I say stay away from it. Not worth it. But as a fan, you're right, JT. Of course we want to see this, man. This allows us to relive the past. All right? So I'm, I'm with you. I would want to see it, but I don't think that they should do it. All right? Now, this is the big question. Yes, we agree we want to see it, but JT, you know they're going to try to make money off of this, even though they're claiming it's an exhibition. Keep that in mind. So would you purchase it 
if it's on pay-per-view. Yeah, I mean, I paid for McGregor and Mayweather, and that was shit. So, of course, I'm going to pay for this. These guys are actually two boxers. I This is where I draw the you line. Play, you paid for Triple G and... Um, <laughs> that was and the, Canelo, what and are you Canelo, talking that was about? the wackest fat fight but, of all time. But the, the hype up Whack. to it, they're in their primes. Whack. What else are you going to see? Whack. These guys are out way... They're 20 years, 25 years At least I'm going to get some entertainment. Prime. Canelo and Triple G... No, and it was, and, no. it, and it, it was, you know, not inspiring at all. No, Terrible no. this is why you're not going to get entertainment because it's an exhibition. You really think holy? You think Tyson's going to try to knock Holyfield into tomorrow on an I exhibition? They're going to protect their health. I already too told you they're like 53 and 57 years old. They're going to protect their health. This is not going to see. This is not going to be the video you're watching where Tyson's going in there like a raging bull. That's not happening. That is not going to happen. Even if he wanted to, they're going to come to an agreement before the fight. Anyway, I'm saving my money for Tiafimo Lopez versus Lomachenko, all right? Whatever. You're making it seem like Tyson's going to just do what you expect anyway once he gets in there. So he let's will. go. <laughs> <laughs> so let's go back to the NFL. I feel like this story is taking so many turns since it first broke. So we're talking about uh, Giants cornerback DeAndre Baker and Seattle Seahawks cornerback uh, Quentin Dunbar. They were arrested and released on bail after being charged with four counts of armed robbery. So since then, Baker and Dunbar attended a they attended a cookout back on May 13th, where allegedly Baker pulled out a handgun and along with Dunbar and two other men, they robbed people of thousands of dollars and taking watches and other valuables. And we actually went through this like it was so funny. They uh they stole all these valuable watches and they had the values of the watches at like 15k, 17k. And then apparently one of the watches they stole was like a knockoff and they listed at like $500 or something like that. And then they also made away, I think it was like $12,000 in actual cash. So they came away with a lot of stuff. So there's a lot of rumors going around, you know, these, some of the guys, attorneys saying they were there, they weren't there. What do you think actually happened? Man, JT, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of info, a lot of different stories going on. So I don't know. What I do know, this is definitely a JT topic because we don't even have all the facts. I mean, come on. So I don't want to speculate. I, I will say this, though. After the initial report, it didn't look good for those two guys, meaning Dunbar and Baker, all right? Because especially Baker, he's kind of being made to seem like the main guy in this. So when you got two or three other characters in the crime with you, someone's going to turn on him, all right? So it doesn't look good for him. Um, but – his attorney says he's got affidavits that refute a lot of these stories that it was Baker, you know, with a gun, blah, blah, blah. So let's so let Baker, it play Baker's out. And, Baker's attorney has been saying that he wasn't there. I thought I read something where Baker's attorney said that he was playing Madden during the whole situation. Yeah. So, so we'll, I, I'm going to say let's wait and see until all the facts come out and let's see what the uh, prosecutor's office does with the case such an attorney now that's why that's why we have you on the show but i agree with you i think we need to wait until you know the actual facts come out but i've heard too many weird little stories throughout this whole thing so one of the things that i heard when this broke was that when it was suspected that both of them actually did it was that they were robbed for a similar amount of money like a night or two before so Dunbar i had heard baker they, i had heard they lost it gambling. they lost it was, lost I heard, it gambling I heard I heard it was taken from them so maybe See, too many you stories. never know it's too many stories but anyway they lost they had it they lost it 
and this was a retaliation to go and get it back. So obviously, if that's true, these these dudes are screwed. Like, forget about what the league is going to do. They're going to jail for a long time. And also, too, um, it's weird that they had all of these witnesses immediately say that, you know, Baker and Dunbar and these two other guys, they definitely did it. They were there. And then, you know, a few days later, those same people came out and kind of switched their statements. So I don't know if it's, you know, hush money, payoffs or whatever. I don't know. It's something really funny about it. But I definitely think that if, when there's money involved, there's definitely people doing irrational things. So I wouldn't be shocked to find out if the truth is somewhere in the middle. But with that being said, what do you think the NFL should do in the meantime about it? All right. So you know they like to react, you know, without, you know, going based on what, you know, the actual law says. So I think eventually he will be suspended eventually. But I don't know if you know this. The new CBA lays out some things. All right. So one, there is. So Goodell is not the initial person who hands out the suspension. All right. So that has changed. They have, meaning the NFL, or the officer that is elected to do this, has 30 days to conduct hearings following an investigative report by the league, all right? But that report is not completed, JT, until after the legal case concludes. Mm -hmm. So there's going to be some time here, all right? But but this is the thing. So quick question. So with that, can they – put you on does it does that mean they can't put you on like the is it the commissioner's exempt list or the the nfi list if they feel like your conduct is still detrimental to this team even though the legal proceeding is still going on can they still do that that's a great question i'd have to i'd have to do more research on that because i got have to ask my guy in the front (laughs) office (laughs) i'd have to ask my inside source i i don't you know i didn't look into all of that because obviously there's there's so many rabbit holes you can go down with it but that is a great question and i don't want to i don't want to say the wrong answer there um but this is where and i'm going to get in again to the nflpa here this is where they messed up jt all right they did a good job going with a neutral officer but Goodell at the end still has final say because this is what can happen. If I challenge the ruling of the officer, guess who has the final say on that, on that appeal? Old Roger. Good. Good job. You answered it right. This is the other thing. Attorneys for the players, they can't cross-examine any witnesses that are interviewed by this officer in the initial report. Yeah, exactly. That face that you just made, like, what? What? So basically, I'm fighting an uphill battle if I'm a player. I can't even defend myself against those accusations. You, from you that, basically from that have, to hope, have to hope you're really innocent because if there's any exactly. any shadow of a doubt, you, you're screwed. You basically have to have a video timestamp showing you um, know, Baker. I was, here, I was yes. playing Madden during this time. Exactly. Here I am. I'm online. Here's my gamer tag. Exactly. And then another legal thing that they messed up on, there's no specific bar established in the CBA. Meaning, for example, if it is, if it's a criminal trial, right? We all know it's beyond a reasonable doubt, right? That's the standard, right? You know that, right, JT? We always talk about beyond, that's the standard. Here, there's no specific standard. So the standard they go with is credible evidence. So the standard's pretty low, to come up with credible, credible evidence that he should be suspended. So it's, again, NFLPA, you know, the players are too worried about their money when they get into these negotiations and they forget about all of these other little, other little issues that they should be, they should hold their ground on. 
uh, I agree with you. I just think the NFL, is, what they should do is just wait. But I think Dunbar is in the better position because I think the Seahawks are willing to work with him. The Giants already had said that Baker was a bit of a pro- uh, problem child. And they they suspended him from like Zoom meetings for the team. So they're like, look, we don't even want you around, you know, virtually wow. until you clear up this whole thing. So I think what's going to happen is Baker's going to end up being released. And then I think Dunbar, they'll wait to see what happens and let it take its course. Man, they wasted a first round pick and only got one year out of them. That's and they rough. Said they, and he That's didn't rough. do anything. And they already yeah. said he was getting in trouble. This is yep. the worst thing that can happen to you. That's rough. That's rough. Gentlemen. Yep. Well, JT, this next topic um, is the University of Kentucky cheerleading squad, the team. They are, they had a, a little bit of an issue scandal come up. Um, you know, pretty big because, as you mentioned before we got on the air, University of Kentucky cheerleading is one of the, the oh, better, they're, they're best the teams. They're yeah, the, standard. the standard, yes. 24-time national championship cheerleading program, like we said, under major uh, sc- is in a major scandal right now based on some info that came out just last week, all right? So a uh, couple Mondays ago, head coach Jomo Thompson and his three assistant coaches were all fired after the university uh, investigated allegations of hazing, which included partially nude stunts and alcohol drinking on university-sponsored trips by the team members, all right? So, JT, just in general, what are your thoughts on this specific situation? Well, I feel like this this story is it's kind of crazy in a sense because basically what I read was I don't think they named the cheerleader yet, but basically some cheerleaders that were on the team, maybe a few were the whistleblowers and this necessarily didn't happen to them. They were kind of just standing up, you know, for the people that this was happening to. And then those that I guess didn't blow the whistle, which is a majority of the team, they have been kind of going the other route of saying, you know, none of this happened. There's no evidence. You know, it's basically one or two people's word against the word of like 40 or 50 people that are in that program. And I really don't know, you know, who to believe, but let's just, let's, let's just, you know, go to sports in general. You know, hazing happens all the time, like high school, college, the NFL, like this kind of stuff happened. Fraternities, like this, like this crazy stuff like this happens. So I'm pretty sure this happens everywhere. But the thing that I want to know is I want to know, because usually what happens is when people get when people are getting caught in these hazing situations, usually when it becomes public is when somebody dies. So from what I've heard, there's been no deaths. So I want to know if these coaches, who are male, by the way, have they been fired because the news broke of this hazing? Or were they fired because maybe they don't want the perception of, okay, these are male coaches and they were involved in, you know, nude hazing and stuff like that of like a female sport they're in charge of. Well, there's been, I mean, as far as like, there's no sexual allegations toward these coaches. That's what I'll be the most worried they, about. They haven't done anything like that. So, you know, you don't have to at least worry about that part. It doesn't seem like that's the issue. Um, I will say this, 500 alumni signed a statement, meaning, you know, former team members of it, um, probably boosters saying that what is alleged to have happened is regrettable, but not enough to justify the firing. So they already have a lot of people in defense of these coaches. Um, the two things that would bother me the most, if true, 
are the nude stunts because even though maybe there's not sexual allegations of it, like what are you promoting here if you're not stopping that sort of stuff? And then two, to your point, you mentioned, you know, haven't seen anyone get injured from it. Well, there are reports that team members, some team members now required medical treatment for excess alcohol. So mm. again, they were drinking on university sponsored trips if the coaches knew about this and now this is why they're getting treated because of the excess alcohol listen does that happen on college trips that players are drinking oh listen, of course we're not going to be naive about it. i'm sure it happens but if it's getting to the point where the coach is aware that it's happening is in the same room it's happening and now there's too much of it let alone just occurring uh, that that falls on the coaches there, JT, and that's where I have a problem. Yeah, well, I think the fact that if a story like this gets out and, you know, they're throwing around, you know, like these these trigger situations, yeah, even if somebody didn't die, you have to fire them. I think that's what the school would have to do. But would you feel the same way? Because I've been in a football locker room and crazy stuff like this happens all the time. Like, they do this crazy stuff. Would you feel the same way if this were to break, let's say, for the UM football team? Where like, hey, like there was nude hazing, the guys are running around doing all this crazy stuff. They were drinking too much and it got out that they were doing this. Do you think that Manny Diaz would be fired? So I think there's different levels, right? Like none of this stuff at the high school level is tolerable, right? Now we're talking college where some of these guys are old enough to drink, all right? So that's the difference, right? Like some of these guys would be old enough to drink. All right. High school level. No, absolutely not. Like that's a whole nother. Well, I'm telling you, I'm telling you in high school that definitely happens. Well, I mean, we're not going to go there, but that would be, you know, that's, they're not old enough to drink so that, you know, that shouldn't be happening at the college level. Now you're talking about UN football. Well, again, who's the one drink? Are they 21 and older? Like, are the coaches aware of it? I'm assuming you know? it would be the same situation like this. I'm pretty sure on this on this cheerleading squad, there are girls of age that can drink, and there's girls that are underage that can't drink. So it's going to be a mix. But I think it's more of the perception. I think that's why the university kind of put out that statement. What you said that it's a serious allegation, but it doesn't justify the firing of these of these coaches. Right. So obviously, there's there's steps they could maybe they could have done some sort of suspension, internal investigation. They, yeah, things like that. So. The, the reason, one thing I did read, and I don't know what the reason would be, but some say they may have been fired more so because of internal politics. Now, take that with a grain of salt. I don't know what that means. No one, no mm. one, no one uh, expanded on that. So, I don't know. Maybe they were already looking for a way for him to get out. Because you're you right. Can. If this was Nick Saban... Would they just give a little slap on the wrist? I don't even – I think if this were Nick Saban, it wouldn't have even broke. Like, I don't even think this would have broke news-wise. Maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. I guess you can look up Jomo Thompson and make your own conclusions. Yep. So let's uh, switch gears to the NBA and uh, somebody that I thought we wouldn't ever talk about, uh, Donald Sterling, the former owner of the L.A. Clippers. So recently, uh, Doc Rivers, who's the current coach, made comments and corroborated – his comments were corroborated by J.J. Redick that at one point Donald Sterling initially tried to stop Doc from signing J.J. to the Clippers back in the summer of 2013. I know that would crush your heart, Don. So Rivers said... Actually, I, I would have loved if Redick <laughs> could have stayed with the Magic. <laughs> Rivers, Rivers says that it was because Sterling didn't like white basketball players and that Redick said he heard two possible reasons. One, 
Sterling didn't want to spend because Reddick was was white and two that Reddick that Sterling thought Reddick was a bench player and didn't want to pay him that much money. So I know you're the big maybe the biggest JJ Reddick fan on the planet. Whoa, wow. What are your thoughts on the situation? Pump the brakes on that. He still is from Duke, all right, but I I I like his game a lot. Yeah, you're about to say you love him. Go ahead. <laughs> all right. So I mean, man, it just doesn't seem like Donald Sterling likes anybody in this world, huh? Like, he doesn't like anybody. I mean, um, listen, no wonder Sterling and the Clippers never won anything, all right? This is the way he was running his team. I mean, it, it, it's it's crazy. Um, Redick is a solid player, all right? And he can be a huge help even off the bench, all right? You saw the Magic. When he was with the Magic, he was still young, and he's progressed. All right, so he's a quality basketball player. The here. guy, the guy you, and, you don't, you don't, the player you don't love. Go ahead. These are glowing endorsements, <laughs> by the way. I said I like him. Listen, he was coming off the bench, but a great player for the Magic. And Doc saw this, right? Doc could see this. And you got to trust your coach. But I, I mean, again, the only possible Sterling's wrong here. All right, Sterling is wrong if. It's the first reason that Reddick said because he was white. All right, Sterling's wrong there. Um, the only the only possible defense here, JT, by Sterling would be if the salary was too high for him as a bench player. Because you got to remember back then, this is seven years ago, JT. Salary mm-hmm. cap salary cap's not nearly as high. So if his reason is it's too much for a bench player because then we can't pay our other stars coming up in free agency, I'd buy that. But obviously, if it's the first reason Reddick said because it's white, I mean, Sterling's wrong, right? Yeah, I, I agree he's 100% wrong. But can I kind of go down a little rabbit hole? This is probably going to be a really unpopular opinion. I'm really not shocked just because it's it, – one, it's Donald Sterling. But I think that this is just that old owner, old coach mentality – And it goes back to how they feel about, in my opinion, about race and sports. And I'm sure that there's a lot of owners and coaches that probably felt this way about JJ Redick and maybe some other white players. Let's say, let's just stick to the NBA that, that we would like to admit, they probably felt that way about him. And they probably think about this. And I want to pose this question to you. Can you, and this is just strictly for the NBA. Can you name a white player that has come into the NBA that people felt was a once in a generation talent like a LeBron or Jordan or a Zion. Like we really, like, I'm oh. just going to say like, I'm, you really don't see it. And I think the reason for that is, well, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say lately, but Larry Bird, absolutely. Was. Maybe Larry Bird, but, other, but that's a long time ago. And I think that that hype kind of goes into that's generated by how the owners and the coaches and the people who control the narrative of a basketball feel and I think that that trickles down from ownership to the coaches and all the way down to the scouting. And I think that owners, especially in the NBA, NFL too, like they're tantalized by, you know, physical abilities and upside over production in every sport, which I think is wrong. And I think that that's why guys like JJ Reddick get undervalued because he's yeah. a great player. He's very productive. The guy is probably one of the best three point shooters in the league, you know, probably since he's been in the NBA and you're right. Doc, Doc saw that and saw this is how my team can help. And I think Donald Sterling was just probably looking at him through this lens that I just described. And I think that's where that came from. 
you're right with the lens. That, that's a great point. The thing is, the scouts that are really – in the executives that are really good at their jobs – Oh, they know that's bull. Exactly. They don't look at it that way. That's why J.J. Redick, guess what? When the Magic went to the finals with Dwight Howard, J.J. Redick on that team, right? J.J. Redick helped out the Clippers immensely. He was not the the reason they lost in the playoffs. Or even going back to a guy who you personally don't like, Jerry Krause, he knew that, guess what? Like, MJ and Pippen and Robin were these freakish athletes. And, yes, we don't win it without them, but you don't win it without guys like – Tony Kukoc. Tony Kukoc, you know, uh, John Paxson, guys that can really impact the game and, you know, make you versatile. So, some some guys can see it, some guys can't. So – with that being said, how the hell was Donald Sterling allowed to last so long as the owner of the Clippers? <laughs> I have no clue, man. I have no – like, it boggles my mind for a couple reasons. Um, <laughs> I think, one, the NBA didn't want to rock the boat. I'm going to steal your phrase. How they're like, don't rock the boat here with bringing up with the – I definitely the skeleton, don't say that. That's, the, like, the skeletons on, in the out. closet Let's with Donald Sterling. If, anybody, if anybody's going to use a phrase, don't rock the boat, and doesn't like to rock the boat, is you. What, no, exactly. what, I'm, what I'm saying is the league – you're saying the league didn't want to rock the boat is what I'm saying. Yeah. Well, I, I'm, I mean, I'm using your phrase in that sense. Okay. Right? The league didn't want to rock the boat, all right, because they didn't want everyone to see what was in Sterling's closet. So – but this is the thing, JT, that – I, I I was not surprised when this stuff came out in what was it 2014 with with the video uh, with the audio recording. He had already had, he already had cases before. Yeah, I remember even as a kid, as a teenager, right in the mid 90s, that Sterling was seen as a bad owner and possibly a racist. Like so, I, I mean, if I heard these things, I can't imagine the NBA like was was not either looking into it or had not heard about it. I mean, it was it was out in the public about this guy. And it was the reason why they weren't winning, even back then, because he was, you know, he was not willing to spend. Clearly not he, a good, not a it, good judge of talent. Yeah, and then had these other opinions. Yeah, I agree. And I think the reason he lasted was just basically he's rich and he has a lot more friends in the NBA than people would like to admit. So <laughs> when you have a lot of friends, it makes it easier. And then I think people were okay with it just as long as, you know, they were getting paid and he wasn't doing it to them. So let's switch gears. Let's go to the two-minute warning. Uh, let's have some fun. So I think you like this movie just as much as I do. You remember oh, you got yeah. game? Oh, absolutely. Do, do I remember it? Come on, that's an insulting question. He got game, made Donato want to be a basketball star until he realized he was done growing. And then it wanted me to be a uh, player agent until I realized what you really goes G- on. You want to be Giovanni? <laughs> <laughs> and then I realized, what, oh, that's what really goes on? No, thanks. That's where the real money is. <laughs> no, but uh, of course we're talking about the iconic movie, He Got Game. And there's a rumor that Spike Lee is considering doing a sequel. And it appears that not only is Ray Allen on board, but Denzel as well. No, no, and, no, 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 they're no. not. Re- read it. Read, read your script correctly, bro. Come on. Denzel is not. Ray Allen is on board in some fashion, but Denzel is definitely Denzel not coming not. back. But here's the thing that I was getting to. The lead is planning, is rumored to be Zion Williamson. And apparently right before the whole COVID-19 thing started, they had a meeting about it. So I want to know your thoughts on a part two. And then also, 
Well, go ahead. Tell me your thoughts on the part. Go ahead. Just ask the other question. Go ahead. No, I just want to know, do you think Zion's the right choice to, you know, kind of succeed Jesus Shuttlesworth? So my thoughts on part two to begin with, I love the idea. It's a Spike Lee movie. It's about basketball. It's been about 20 years. So we're ready for another one. All right. So I'm, I'm in. I'm in. I'm watching, Spike. If you do the movie, I'm watching. If you want JT and us to be the play-by-play announcers for the games, we're on for that, too. All right? Well, you've already, now, you've already got some acting experience in some major motion pictures. Uh, let's hold that for another show. Let's hold that for another show. I don't know if I'd call that quite acting, but, you know, just standing in the background. But um, as far as the Zion, I think that that would be a good one. I wouldn't complain if that's who he goes with. The only other guys I really can think of that are like in there, because you got to remember, I think I think Ray was only like a rookie or a second year in the league, right? Yeah. So yeah, yeah this, I think this kind of made him more of a star than basketball at that at that point. At that time, yeah. So I got to go. If it's not Zion, I got to put John Morant on that list because he's more of the you know the shooting guard type, and I mean. I would say Giannis, but again, like he's he's a big star now. He's a big star, right? So like I'm trying to think. Maybe you've got some better ideas on it. Um, yeah, better than but, that. <laughs> better than John Moran? You don't like John Moran? Well, well, to answer the question um, about a part two, I'm I would watch it, but I'm not really excited about it because oh, I am, I am. No, I'll tell you why. Because unless he's gonna go some complete other direction with the story, we already know too much about how high school athletes are recruited. Like back then, I feel like we really didn't know as much. There were rumors, but we know. But we maybe know now we know they get paid. We know there's girls involved. We know that there's you know all these powers from like the NCAA and pro and shoe deals and agents like you, like you want to be like and we we know that now. So I don't know how he's gonna you know tell the story again and make it more interesting. Now about Zion playing the main character absolutely not just because zion's too goofy for that role i can't <laughs> i can't see him doing that now if i had to pick somebody i probably would go with some uh, uh, athlete that's probably more modern and i think could maybe pull this off it would be between aaron gordon and zach levine for me i think those guys i knew you a, were gonna say zach levine i think they I got knew. enough i think they got I enough swag to pull it off but i also think that like you know I, i'm assuming women are gonna go see this movie so they'd be like all right these are probably some basketball players that would draw us in to go see the movie. But you got – it depends on what they're doing. If they're doing high school again or college, John Morant looks more the age. Well, Giannis damn sure don't look like he in college. And neither does Zion. Zion looks 50. <laughs> hey, you said it. I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's go back to the NFL where I think this got a lot of people going. So Zion, Zion – if you come after either one of us, it's JT. JT said it. I didn't. I just think he's too gooey for that role. Now, should Zion be in Space Jam too? Absolutely. Like, I think he's a better fit for that role. <laughs> oh, he's so scared to get into it with professional athletes. Everybody's good at his book. Michael, all right, so we're going back to NFL. Michael Thomas versus Devontae Parker. I feel like this, is, this got a lot of people going on social media. So just to backtrack a little bit. Uh, the two receivers got into a war of words on IG after Parker responded to a question on the NFL Fox IG account about which, which was tougher to catch a pass against uh, New England Patriots cornerback Stephon Gilmore, defensive player of the year as well, I think, and, or, or breaking up a pass against Saints receiver Michael Thomas. So obviously Parker commented that Gilmore was harder. And then Thomas wrote back with, for you, yes. 
So, of course, this led down a rabbit hole of insults between these two on Instagram, which was hilarious. But I want to know from you, who is right or wrong here? I mean, why do we even care about these war of war of words between these funny. two guys? Because it's sports and it's funny and we love it. Um, if I had to pick, I'm going to say Michael Thomas is in the wrong because why even entertain Devontae Parker right now? He's because not, it shows you how people in the league feel about Devontae Parker. <laughs> He's not even in your class right now. All right? And Parker was just answering the question. So, he like – but he was also answering that question because Gilmore had locked him up that year for a terrible game. Right, right. So he's allowed to say that. You didn't need to chime back, oh, for you. Yeah. It wasn't Michael Thomas. He was not taking a dig at you. It was he was showing his respect to Stephon Gilmore. So yeah. get over it, Michael Thomas. Yeah, he was just speaking the truth. I mean, I do think it's harder to catch a pass on Gilmore right now than it is to break up a pass with Michael Thomas. Because I mean, I, I think it's equally difficult. No. So I'm not going to chime in. I mean, they made a good point. Thomas has a million targets. You know, you got, you, you got to get a hand on one of those. Like, Gilmore, like, they barely throw to him. And, and when they do, it's, it's usually not completed. So, I think Michael Thomas is wrong here just because of what you said. Like, Devontae Parker is trash. He's not even in your, in your, your class. So, why are you even – one, talking about him and responding to it. And two, why are you opening yourself up to criticism from other people who may not agree with you? Because now they're going to bring up, like I said, your targets. You also play with Drew Brees, who is one of the best <laughs> quarterbacks of all time. You play in an offense that is featured by one of the best coaches and offensive play calls of all time. So Devontae Parker has none of those things in Miami. So I would have kept quiet just so people don't start peeling back, you know, my layers and start critiquing my game. Yeah. So, true. so I guess the main question I kind of got into this a little bit. Who would be the better receiver with Breeze at quarterback? So I'm I'm assuming that this is they're both healthy, full 16 game stretch. Who would be the better receiver with Drew Breeze, Parker or Michael Thomas? Man, it's so hard to say because Parker hasn't had nearly the quarterback that Thomas he hasn't has had. had. A quarterback. <laughs> well, hey, Ryan Fitzpatrick now. But and look what happens. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's tough to answer this because we don't really know what we would get out of Parker. I mean, we know. So the thing is, we know what we would get with Thomas. Great, yeah. you know, top two, top three receiver in the All league. All time historic pace. That's what we would get. Yeah, no nonsense. He's been healthier than Parker. So if I had, I mean, if you're telling me I got to pick, I'm going to still go with Thomas. But this is what I would want to know from Devontae Parker. Are you going to put the work in? in the hard work with Breeze the way Thomas seems to do either on his own or with Breeze. Yeah. Because I if agree. you're not, you're not going to succeed with Breeze. Yeah, I agree with you. It's Thomas just because, yeah, he gets a lot of targets and he has a really good quarterback and he has a good team, but the guy is also a hell of a receiver too. I mean, there's no route that he can't beat a cornerback on. Like, and he has unbelievable hands. The guy just doesn't drop the ball. And I, I know Devontae Parker has had issues with drops as well. So Breeze is definitely not going to deal with that. And, I mean, exactly what you said. Like, I don't know if Parker's going to put in the work. I mean, and to be honest, his entire career, he's had about eight good games. And they all were last year. So that's one little stretch. Thomas has been doing it ever since he came into the league. So I'm definitely going with him. So... JT, Devontae Parker seems to be staying relevant. One other guy that's doing it seems to do it all the time, Paul Pierce. Paul Pierce. All right, so he announced his 
I guess this is in honor of uh, the last dance. Uh, it's, about his be, it's about to be his last dance if he keeps talking. <laughs> he just keeps burying himself deeper and deeper. <laughs> so he came out with his top five NBA players of all time. LeBron, not in the top five. <laughs> Paul Pierce had. Don't, don't even read the rest. Let's just talk no? about that. Okay, oh, go ahead. So you got a problem with him leaving LeBron out of the top five. Hell yes. And <laughs> this just proves that Paul Pierce is the biggest hater of all time because he tried to do the same thing with Wade. He's just always trying to throw himself in the conversation. Paul, <laughs> if you're listening, just face the facts. It has nothing to do with how good you are. Sometimes people just get forgotten. Like, Will <laughs> Chamberlain gets forgotten at sometimes. You don't think he's good? Like, oh, he's just such a hater. And I think he, with LeBron, I think he hates LeBron even more because he feels like he and the Celtics basically broke LeBron in Cleveland and they not they're not gonna have that respect for him, and because of that, they sent him running to my to Miami to team up with Wade and Bosch. So, not shocked, but this is just stupid. Like he shouldn't have a basketball analyst job after he came up with this list. Like they should have fired him on the spot. Paul Pierce, if you are list if you are listening, one thank you. Two, leave us a five star review. So and that's and that's why that guy's in charge of HR and PR for our company. There we go, right there. <laughs> I've got a problem with it because this is the real reason. I think he is holding a personal grudge against LeBron and the heat and stuff. So to not put him in the top two or three, okay, if you want to go that route, but top five, come on, Paul Pierce, even you can't agree with that. But this is why I got a problem with it, JT. Just two years ago, in a roundtable interview with Bleacher Report's Howard Beck, Paul Pierce said James was already in the top five. And he hasn't done anything to warrant being knocked out of the top five. Yeah, all he's done is just go to the NBA Finals every year. <laughs> so that was two years ago. Paul Pierce, nothing's changed. You already had him in the top five list. So that's why Paul Pierce's top five list, I, I can't Hater. take serious. So let's go back to the, to the NFL. You know, we can talk about this just briefly. JT saw this on our Facebook page, someone commenting on this that there was an article last week that said some Steeler fans would love to be able to pass up season tickets this year because of COVID-19 fears and not have to lose their season tickets or their seat license. Now, JT, you may not be familiar with this because you're a Dolphins fan. Yeah, we, don't, we don't have season tickets. <laughs> well, you've got season tickets, but the Steelers and Steeler Nation have, oh, a leg season, legacy. have a season ticket waiting list, a waiting list. So you can't just say call up Steelers ticket office and say I want to be I want to have season. Tickets. We don't even have a parking waiting list for the Dolphins. <laughs> like they like you just drive right in there, get a get a parking spot, and go yep. to the game. Exactly. So if you're with the Dolphins, you can call up. Hey, I'm a Dolphins fan. One season tickets. Even if I'm not a Dolphins fan, you get season tickets. With the Steelers, you got to get on a waiting list. JT, that waiting list is roughly about a 20 year wait. No joke. 20 year wait. All right. So the thing is, if you get kicked off the list got to wait 20 years. That's out of your family, all right? People pass them down in their families even once they pass away. So the thing here is the Steelers have said no, and you still need to pay by June 1st. If not, your season tickets can go to somebody else. And mm -hmm. you're off of that list. You'd have to get back on the waiting list. So the Steelers now, though, have made a statement saying they would review their policy to see if it's fair. So, JT, what do you think the Steelers and other teams who are in this situation should do about season tickets if 
someone does want to pass it up for this year. Am I answering this question as like the Steelers organization? What do you think they should do? You got to factor in everything, fans, media criticism, but you're the Steelers. What do you do? Well, first, I think they should just wait until the NFL makes an official decision on the but, schedule first. But see, their deadline, they've already had invoices and stuff go out, is say pay by June 1st. So now if you want to change that, you'd have to, within what, the next week, you'd have to get invoices out that say you can wait till July 1st or August 1st. That's what I would have done. But, I mean, if te- like, here's the thing. I think here's the compromise. If teams want to charge, like, maybe, like, a small fee to reserve the spot, just depending on what happens with the league, this year, I think that would be fair. But I think it's just, like you said, 20 years, you might never get that back. So that's a long time to have to, you know, wait again to get on this list. And like you said, some people have passed this down through generations. So, like, can you imagine being the person, like, in your family, could you imagine if you were the person that ended the legacy of Steelers <laughs> season tickets? Like, they would just own you right away. Yep, yep. But I think the the fee to keep, like, a placeholder spot is the best way to go. But that's the thing. People don't want to have to pay for their season tickets. Because but not pay part for the whole the thing, fi- but, like, but like the people who are on that list, they get the first right to pay like this reduced like fee placeholder. And then they're going to say, let's say like July 31st is when we're going to make like the final decision. So you can keep, you can keep the, you can keep pay the fee to keep the spot now. And then if you don't pay the full amount by this point, uh, that's that spot goes to whoever's the next person on that list. But would they have to pay it for this season? Yeah. See, that's where I have a little bit of it. If you want to do, hey, put down 500 bucks, we'll hold your spot till next season. That's fine. What I think they should do is invoices have gone out. Those guys get first dibs on it. If they, if they cannot afford to pay because of what's going on, they don't need to show any financials. But if they just want to say, hey, I'm passing this year, that's fine. All right. Then those tickets just for the 2020 season – because we don't even know if fans are going to be allowed in. So why should I lose my season tickets if you might not even have games that are played with fans in the stands, right? So I have first dibs. If I pass on it, someone else on the waiting list gets it for 2020 season, but come 2021, I'm back as the season ticket holder with the seat license. But then you're opening up a can of worms because – What can of worms? It was mine in the first place. People are going to be like, well, they didn't want to pay last year. Now I'm on the list. It's going to be – No, I didn't want to pay last year because of COVID-19, not because something else. You don't even know – how are you charging me when you don't even – can't guarantee there's going to be games, let alone guarantee fans in the stands? What are you charging me for? The right to have the season tickets once everything goes back to normal. This is a legacy then do thing. Then do it the way you said and put a placeholder. I'm willing to pay 500 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> so let's, let's go to something that I also saw on social media. Then let's have fun with this. So it's going back to the NBA. So I actually didn't know this, but in 19- – I didn't either. Yeah. First, where did you find this? Because this I don't, is – you don't brought know. it up. This I is a find- good one. I find stuff like this all kind of crazy places. And if I see it and it's interesting, I just, you know, put it in the vault. And then I never, I never uh, know where they originally come from if, if it's in the vault too long. And you got me researching it. Like I looked at the history of this. It's, it's interesting. So in 1924, uh, the NBA changed their, well, basketball changed their free throw rule to where the player who was fouled had to shoot their own free throw for 29 years prior to that the team could pick anyone they wanted to shoot the free throws when a foul was committed. So this got me thinking, 
Donato, should the NBA go back to the rule from prior to 1924? No. I, I like it. It's interesting. But no. But if we're going to get crazy with it, how about this, JT? How about whether it's a two- or three-pointer, when you're fouled, you go to the line, you get one shot. You make it, you get all two or three points. If you miss it, it's play on. Instead of, oh, here's the three-point shot. James Harden's finagling a four-point play. Yep, there you go. No, if I get fouled on three-pointer and I miss it, I go to the line one shot only. If I make it, you give me my team three points. If I miss, we play the rebound. Hmm. Because think about it. It was a one-shot three-pointer. I'm actually at a disadvantage now that i got to make three shots in a row, even though it's at a closer range. True. Um, This was really interesting. I'm going to say they should go back to this rule because I think if they did this, teams would have to play better defense. And I think that that would help the overall game because teams are going to try to foul less. And then you also can't go – into a situation where you can just hack Ben Simmons for two quarters and, you know, erase a 30-point deficit. So I think teams legit have to play defense. There's going to be more strategy behind it because you know if you foul somebody and either if you're in the penalty or it's a shooting foul, like, just because it's Shaq, they can send the best player who's in the, on the court at the time to shoot that free throw. So I think teams are going to think more before they actually act. So I think it should come back. Actually, I disagree with you for two more reasons now, now that you, you, you brought up because your points are valid, but this is why I don't like it. Like, One, lines are better. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, keep it the same then. The reason why I don't like this, this one going back to it would be one, it takes a little bit of the suspense out of the end of the game. Well, what's because the other thing? because that, then that, it's over. Curry's going to the line. It's well, over. Here's, game well, here's over. my thing. Here's my thing. Here's my thing. If they, you brought up a good point. I thought about it right when I said it too. If they can find a way to make, like the last minute of the game, if they can find a way to make that like a true, like who gets fouled, like some situation like that, I think that's okay. But I just don't want to see things like what happened in the Ben Simmons game where they, they literally fouled him for yeah, two I got quarters. You. But but then this is the problem to that, JT. Okay, it gets rid of the Simmons stuff. But think about how many times teams go to the line. Sometimes 25 times. Curry's taking all 25, bro, if he's on the court. So guess what? You're inflating his numbers. That's not right. That's not right. He's going to win scoring he's titles. Like J- he's, he's like, J.J. Reddick would never get paid. Actually, <laughs> no, no, he would. No, no, this would no, be no, better no, no, for no, J.J. No, no, no. What I'm saying is, though, guys like Curry or Durant, that the yeah. guys that they're good, their stats now are going to be 10 to 12 points, possibly have, 20 points inflated. This many inflated. more attempts. Yeah, exactly. That's no fair to the guys that played before. Yeah, I just think that this would be a good way to – make defense better but of course like with any rule change there could be drawbacks but i just thought it was funny that this actually I like happened i do like i i didn't know that i like how you bring that up that's that's why we have you bro that's why we have you that's great For stuff question 25 no, in the 30 no, question show thank you no other no <laughs> other show no other guys coming up with that topic only jt man only so jt stick, so sticking with basketball let's go over to the big three where uh they officially canceled their season makes sense it would be going on right now now, my question with this is we've seen other, you know, kind of offshoot leagues fold, especially lately the XFL. Do you think the big three, because it canceled its season, will fold like the XFL did? Man, I don't know. That, that's tough to say. Uh, it could possibly survive because unlike the XFL, they've had a couple seasons under their belt to kind of get the revenue and their capital to grow. But other than that, JT, 
I, I don't know what to say. You think, you think it's over, don't you? Just go ahead and say it. I mean, I I kind of got to believe so because even if they come back next year, if fans I, – I think we're going to see fans picking and choosing what events they go to now because they may expose themselves to things like COVID-19 or whatever else comes in the future. So if they're going to do that, they're going to NBA games. They're not going to big three games. You bring up a really good point, and we don't know – next this time next year you know how sports fans will feel about you know attending live sports events so we don't know what's going to happen with that but i'm just going to say that no i don't think it's going to fold just because the difference between the big three and the xfl is the big three still has recognizable stars that people actually want to see play so i think if out of all the offshoot leagues i think they could potentially bounce back from a year off and I'm assuming the operating costs are probably less than a full, like a full-fledged football league. I'm assuming the operating costs are a little bit less. And then also, too, I think the fact that the guys who play in the big three, most of them have already made money. So I don't, they're not, I don't think they're playing necessarily to make money as much as they still want to play. So I think if it came down to financials, I think the guys would find a way to make it work because they really want to do this rather than XFL. These guys are playing for a paycheck and a chance to get back in the NFL. So that's why I think the big three can bounce back. Well, I would disagree a little bit with the saying the XFL guys were playing for a paycheck. I think it was more about getting to the NFL to get the paycheck. Well, yeah. So they didn't care what the XFL was paying them. They would have been willing to take the cut. The thing is, Vince McMahon is not going to be losing all this money by paying players while they're sitting at home and trying to put all these you know, have the employees of all these teams on payroll until next year. Yeah. Vince McMahon wasn't going to let that happen. Yeah, I think the point I was trying to make is if your league is full of guys that, have, that are already have money, like there's a lot more flexibility to what you can do with the sport. Maybe. Or they really need the money. Maybe. You never know. Because <laughs> they spent all their other money, as we've seen with a lot of players, JT. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's switch gears. Let's keep these quick. Uh, corona extra topics. Saw this somewhere online. Very interesting. I want to say I th- are they think- sponsoring this segment yet? They they need to be because they're getting a lot of airtime on. They this do, show. man. They do <laughs> with all our with all our streams. <laughs> so this, this I forgot where I saw this, but a uh, great question. No superstar or at least one star. Not at least only one. Only one. Only one star. So one star or no superstar. NBA team to win a championship, uh, which what team do you put as the best in that category? So it so one star, no or no superstars. I saw this question, like I said, and I want to know what you thought. I'm gonna go first because I thought the easiest one would be the 04 Pistons. That's who that's who I had. There were essentially no (laughs) superstars on that team. I, I would reckon to say they even had a star. I mean, Ben Wallace is a star. They had a lot of really good players, but nobody at that at that level you consider a superstar. Yeah, that's that's who I had. I mean, if, the way I took this question though, JT is let let's flip it because I agree with you. Oh four Pistons, you got Chauncey, Rasheed Wallace, Rip Hamilton, but and they beat the Lakers. Like they were the ultimate team, but they didn't have that superstar that in twenty years people are going to remember that roster if they never watched the, that Pistons team. So we agree there. But let me throw this question out to you. Maybe you're not prepared for it, but just think about it. Probably not. Best team ever with no superstar or one star only in any sport, any era. 
Um, you they still didn't think have it's, to win it? Yeah, of course they had to win it. Is it still the 04 Pistons? Because there's a lot of teams, a lot of leagues. I feel like they're up there. To be honest with you, I I would have to go back. But at the time, I felt like when the Marlins won in 97, like they didn't really have any superstars, right? Uh, I, I disagree a little bit. Sheffield was pretty big. Was at he the, a superstar, I mean, though? But, but they were. He could be the one star. But but this is the thing. They were loaded with stars. Like those guys I mentioned with the Pistons, Tayshawn Prince, Billups. Like they were very good. But the only true star, not even a superstar, but the only true star was Rip Hamilton. So, like I think a bunch of stars like the Benias, Devon White, um, you know. Conine. Conine was – I feel like he was a little bit older at the time. Moises Alou. Uh, Sheff, older at the time. Sheffield. Sheffield was a little bit older. Charles. But, but bro, they were all stars. Yeah, but I mean – Kevin Brown. Okay, I take it back. Kevin Brown was a superstar for back then. Kevin Brown was a superstar? Okay, I'll I would say that. so. I would say so. Okay, but, you know, I'll, I'll let you throw the Marlins. Can you think of anybody else? Um, it's tough. Uh, any sport. I think you're kind of missing one. I can't believe you would miss off the top of your head. I mean, the Dallas Mavs when they beat us. <laughs> you know, they've actually been considered on that list because only them and then the 95 Rockets, the, 20, oh, the 2004 Pistons, and the 89 and 90 Pistons. Those were, the cons- only, those were the only NBA teams without a first-team all-NBA guy. Would you consider the Kawhi Raptors in that group? No, no. Because you think Siakam was a star that year, though? Ooh, you know what? Okay, one star? Okay, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. I thought you would say the 72 Dolphins. Yeah. Because I don't think Greasy was quite a superstar. If you want to say Zonka's a superstar, but who else then? That's true. Warfield? Like, I don't know. Don Shula was a superstar. (laughs) So I was thinking 72 Dolphins. Would you say 85 Bears? Nah, they had stars on that team. Superstars. Besides Peyton? Singletary? You consider him a superstar? Oh, okay, a superstar. okay. Okay, I'll give you that. I what about... Fridge okay. Perry was a superstar, like, in... in, uh, in <laughs> we're, man, we're not talking, we're talking about a, play here. We're McMahon about was play. a superstar, like, like in, like in Star Power. Yeah, that All team right. was full of superstars. Okay, what about the 87-88 Redskins that won the Super, Super Bowl? Because was Doug Williams a superstar, though? Hell yeah. A superstar. Like, on the level of Marino and Elway? He beat Elway, but did that make him a superstar? Uh, I guess. Timmy, I mean, Timmy to me, Smith I think was the running back. Timmy Smith was the running back. Mm, Ricky Sanders, I wouldn't consider him a superstar. I mean, defensively, Daryl Green, I'd give you Daryl Green. I, I could give you that one. Okay. All right. I would throw in... Personally, soccer, the 86-87 Napoli team in Italy. You know who they had, JT, as their one superstar? Who they have? Diego Maradona. We love him. Uh, good, good stuff. So let's go uh, – let's have a little bit of fun. What's the worst sports movie of Ooh, all time? This was a fun one to come up with. Can we go back and – like, do you only have one or do you have a couple in here? Actually, you know what? I have none written down, but really? I have a couple in my head. Okay. I'll throw the first one out. I'll start it. Major League back to the minors, man. Everybody hates that one. Like, I love Scott Bakula, and, and Roger Dorn was a great guy. Nobody but... says they love Scott Bakula. <laughs> Quantum Leaf, what are you talking about? Oh, my gosh. Um, You're showing your necessary age. Necessary <laughs> roughness. 
Um, so I'll start with that one. Um, I'm pretty sure you or nobody else has ever seen this movie, but there was a movie that came out called Crossover. Do you remember that? It, there's, it was about like one-on-one streetball tournaments. It had a, no. I think the guy's name, he's an one uh, guy. His name is Hot Sauce. He was like the, the professor. It. Yeah, it came out in the movie theaters. That was probably the worst sports movie I've ever seen. Like no acting, no script, no nothing. Terrible. The basketball was the worst part of it. Um, is so I'll go. I'll go then. Since you went, I'll throw out Rocky Five. Yeah, Rocky Five's up there. Okay, everybody you, hates that one. Do you have another one? Because I got one more that I think would take the cake. Because I didn't even know this was a, a sports movie. Um, I don't know if you've seen what's the movie with uh with the monkey that's like a baseball player that was pretty bad. Uh, was it Ed or something? Like that? That I think terrible. yes, I think it was Ed. Ed I'll yeah. say this. I'll say this. I'll give you a sports movie that is terrible, but I absolutely love it. Okay. Like every time it comes on, I watch it, but it is terrible. Angels in the Outfield. That movie is so I, yep. bad, but I love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. I love it. I'll give you. I'll give you that. As far as not you used sports to be movie. Mel Clark. <laughs> I I agree. I I can watch it anytime it is on. I'm gonna go with this is 1978 JT, and it's not the movie you're thinking of, but it's called Matilda, and it's about a fighting kangaroo. Now, this kangaroo, I haven't seen the movie. Oh, so it's not the Matilda with the girl? Nope, it is not. I I haven't seen the whole movie, but I'm going to have to watch it now. But clips of it, bro, there's like no CGI. And the kangaroo is actually just a man dressed in a kangaroo suit. (laughs) (laughs) Ridiculous. I got to watch it. I'll let you know about it. Um, I guess one more for the road, another movie that, sports movie that's really bad that i absolutely love and it's one of those every time it comes on i gotta watch it um rookie of the year oh come on it's not that bad not to be considered among these i don't know i don't know which one's worse that one or little big league no don't say i love them both oh my god i can't believe you would put little big league on the bat that's a great movie one of my you can put little giants on there too i love little giants but it's a bad what is wrong with those what are you talking about you're ridiculous. You didn't enjoy our childhood, bro. I did. I love Little Giants. Then you can't say they're they're terrible. No, that's blasphemy. No. All right. We could go on about this all day. So let's go on to the next one. This is really interesting. So uh, what are your top three head-to-head Man. battles you would like to have seen of two individual players in their primes? All right, so I'm going to go – and we're talking about within the course of the actual game. In, in yeah, within the course of the sport, yeah. Right, right. Or if it's a one-on-one. Uh, so I I'm already gonna, know who I'm, one of them are going to be, so go ahead. I'm, I'm going to change I'm gonna change the third one because that's just not as good as what I can think of. So I got to go MJ LeBron just so okay, everyone yeah, – Everybody knows, yeah. Just so everyone – no, no, no. I'm leaving that one on. I'm leaving that one on. I'm taking – I'm taking Earl Campbell versus Ray Lewis off the list. Why? I definitely want to see that. Yeah, but it doesn't come to these other ones, even though that would be a great one to see. MJ LeBron, you know, JT, just so people can stop with the debate, okay? So that's my first one. Second one, you know I'm a boxing guy. I'm going Ali versus Tyson. I would love to see that. You literally have my top two on your list. All right. And then this third one, I doubt doubt you're going to have it. But I'm going to go Pele versus Maradona, Argentina, Brazil, World Cup on the line. I want to see these guys go at it. All right. Yeah, I can definitely uh, get with you on those. Of course, I had MJ LeBron, Tyson Ali. 
I mean, hands down, I paid, I give my life savings to go see that. <laughs> um, my third one is I want to see Tyreek Hill versus Deion Sanders. I want to see, no, I want to, I want to see if Deion could cover the fastest man I ever seen in pads one on one on an island for an entire game. I think that's worth the price of admission. But see, I, I think I would have enjoyed, and we got to see it, Jerry versus Deion, bro. Nah. Jerry ain't got the speed to challenge Dion like they, that. They slugged it out. It didn't matter about speed because this is the thing with Dion. I think Dion wins that. You know why? Dion's fast enough when he needs to be. And two, you know, and two, he is the better cover corner. I think Tyreek. I, I think I just want. I just want to see if Dion can handle the speed one on one. Yeah, like he, he did. Can he, can he prime, shut down a third of the field like he did his, in the past? In his prime. In his prime, he can handle the speed. It tell me it wouldn't be great to watch though. Oh, it would, but I would, I would just Jerry. How about Randy Moss versus Dion? Because Dion was not in his prime anymore. I guess you could put that up there. I just want to. I just want to see Tyree kill because Dion's claim to fame is the speed, and he can okay. do everything with no safety help. Like okay, Tyree kill will make him get a safety over there. I can buy that. Listen, I'm still gonna watch. All right, yeah. <laughs> like I'm still watching. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> I think MJ LeBron is what I want to see the most. And then Tyson Ali would be the, the second, no doubt about it. All right. So sticking with sports history, um, I'm pretty sure I know what your answer is going to be. What do you think is the worst call in sports history? So the worst call that blew a game. Why don't, why don't you go first? I had a feeling I, I knew what you were going to pick, so no, I no, didn't no, no. pick that one. Say, pick yours because I don't actually have that up there. Um. Or Actually, give two, give two then, if that's going to be one of them. Well, one is the tuck rule. So I think that was that was oh. one of the worst calls. So okay. that tuck rule game, that was a fumble. But here we are 20 years later, <laughs> Brady's the GOAT. Um, I'm actually going to go with uh, Roy Jones Jr. not oh. getting the win. That's you, what you picked? You, t- you took one of – yeah, you took okay. – go ahead, go ahead, go I'll, ahead. I'll tell go you ahead. what, I'll tell you what. Since no, it was no, no, yours no, – no, no. No, no, I want I've you to tell – I've got another one. I've got another one. I've got another one. I've got it. Listen, I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to give the information because I know you are Roy Jones fan. No, no, no. Just no, tell no. the story, no. please. Tell the story. Come on. All right. So the '88 Olympics. All right. Roy Jones basically destroys Park Park Sihone for the light middleweight gold medal, and Roy Jones clearly he twice in that fight got a standing eight count on his guy, yet loses in points and loses the gold medal. Insane. What was the other one you had? Because tuck rule. Oh, okay. I thought you were gonna put the UM Ohio State pass interference. Yeah, that hurts. But I feel like the tuck rule like had bigger ramifications, and then the Roy Jones one was just damn near robbery. So I'm gonna go along the lines of the Olympics, JT, in mine, and this is just the only defense would be maybe the game shouldn't have been this close, but I think these were two really good teams. 1972 gold medal basketball game between Soviet Union and U.S. JT, go look it up. Just look it up. I can't even explain it, how bad that ending is. When I saw this for the first time, I thought it was a joke. I thought this was like a blooper clip, all right? Basically what happens is – I mean, technically it is. (laughs) So have you seen it? Have you seen the ending? No, but I've heard about it. The Soviet Union was down one with three seconds to go. They got three inbound – attempts to get the ball in the first two times the ref for whatever reasons gave them another chance first time gave them another chance second time gave them another chance third time 
full court pass, layup, game over. Soviet Union wins the goal. In fact, Doug Collins was on that team, and his teammates never took the silver medals. They are in the Olympic Museum, all 12 silver medals from that team. Wow. That's a statement. Yep. Yep. So, JT, we've done a lot of trivia time lately, all right? I want to bring Only back... you are enjoying this. What do you mean? The trivia time? Yes. Well, let's mix it up. I want to bring back the surprise JT, all right? So I'll give, you, I'll give you a little bit of a breather here, all right? So I've got, I've got quite a few good ones here, JT. What do I come up with? First one deals with Matthew Stafford. He's selling his Detroit home. Surprise, surprise, right? Do you know how much he's listed it for? $4.5 million. Ooh, not bad. Not bad. $6.5 million. You know, that- I, I wanted to say $6.5 million. <laughs> I feel like that's like the, the price I see a lot when people put their houses <laughs> on the market. It's at $6.5 million. I don't know if he's going to get that much. But listen to this. He has an indoor basketball. I know you would love this. He has an indoor basketball court, all right, in his house. The flooring, do you know from what arena slash dome it is from? Atlanta Hawks? No. No, he's from Texas. Um, the team is what is it's it? A historic, it's a historic one. I'm not giving If I give it to you, come on. It's a historic uh, arena slash dome. I know this seems like trivia time, but it is surprising. It is trivia too. time. You just find new <laughs> ways to sneak shit in here. Um, I don't know. He's from Texas, so I'm guessing like the Astrodome or something. Basketball court. Nope. The Pontiac Silverdome. Remember? Ah, they would, yes, they yes, would have yes. they would have college games as well as remember yes. the NBA finals. So yes. it's the NBA, it's the Detroit Pistons flooring. From this smells like play. trivia time to me. I'm, I think you're trying to mislead me in the fine print. <laughs> yep. Shaq supposedly, all right. So listen to this. Shaq made up a story when he first came into the league about David Robinson not signing an autograph when Shaq when he was, was a kid. When Shaq was 13. <laughs> so this came out. He lied about it, even told that to David Robinson. So two things here, JT. Can your own lie motivate you? And if so, what is one that you've lied about before, like in real life, that has motivated you? Because I don't know if I could come up with a lot to, to, to motivate I myself. Yeah, I don't. Uh, that's too much internal struggle for me to exactly. make up the lie and then exactly. to motivate me. Exactly. So I don't think there's anything I would lie about to motivate myself. Okay. Okay. So it wouldn't be able to motivate you. I agree. Um, how much did Robert Kraft's Super Bowl 51 ring get sold for at the auction for the All In Challenge? Like, 1.2 mil or something like that. Ooh, close. 1.025 million. All right, I'm in the ballpark. All right, two last things here, JT. Eli is officially on Twitter. Your thoughts? This is going to be great because he's going to have so many like little quirky things to say, and he's always going to be taking digs at Tom Brady. And I'm pretty sure Peyton's going to help him like on his account and hack it and say some shit about Tom Brady too. <laughs> How about this one? As part of the All In Challenge. The Browns are auctioning the chance to script the first 15 plays for them in a preseason game. JT, your thoughts, and if so, how much would you and I would spend millions if we had it on this, but how much would you spend realistically on it? Well, 
I would spend all the money I had if it was the third preseason dress rehearsal because I want to make sure the starters <laughs> are running my plays. I I I give up everything I had because if if in those fifteen plays like we just come out blazing and put up you know three touchdowns, yeah, some people are gonna be like, all right, who is JT and the Don? Like we need to get him in in the house somehow to you know get around the offensive yeah. play call. So yeah, I'd pay the money. It's an investment. All right, all right. Do you do you like that move by the Browns? Like that's pretty creative. I thought. I mean, they're already a clown show, so it can't oh, get. Any worse. I knew you were going there. I set it up perfectly. Thank you. Thank the you. Play, if I was a player, I'd be pissed. It's like y'all, <laughs> y'all gonna let a, the Rose Bowl pretzel guy call our plays? You don't even, you don't even take this job seriously. That's true. That's true. I wonder how the players. You know what though? I bet you Odell Beckham. If I'm him, I gotta love this though, because you gotta believe whoever a fr- fan's gonna want to throw it to him. All 15. Okay, Jarvis, you can have one of the 15. It's like they're going to call the plays like in Madden. Yep. 15 plays are all verticals. Yep, yep. All verts, all verts. All right, JT, it was a long show. A lot of serious topics in there, but a lot of fun there at the end. Great job. As always, any parting words, JT? Uh, no, uh, everybody just stay safe out there during the whole coronavirus situation, and hopefully we get back to normal sports soon. Absolutely. And continue to listen to your favorite podcast, JT and the Don. Thank you for listening. As always, we appreciate it. And remember to subscribe to us. We can be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and the iHeartRadio app and wherever else you find all of your other favorite podcasts. And remember, if you like what we do, leave us a five-star review. And JT, If you don't like what we do, leave us a five-star review. Also, please follow us on social media. Our handle at JT and the Dawn. We can be found on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. So JT, great episode. Great job as always. And JT, until the next episode, see ya. Peace.